Welcome to the Rogers Roundtable. I am Calvin Rogers. I'm joined alongside my cousin, Selden Rogers. And today we have uh, Uncle Timmy on the show. He drove up four hours from Jersey to be here with us today. So thank you, Uncle Timmy, for coming on. You're welcome. Uh, we like to start everybody off the same way. Um, where do you fall in the order of 13 children? And then tell us a little bit about your immediate family. I am number two overall, first son, and... My immediate family, two daughters, Melanie and Laura. Melanie uh, married to Chevy's. Melanie works at a uh, pharmaceutical company, Chevy's uh, in property management. They have one daughter, Lily, 12 years old. She's into uh, dance, heavy into dance. She's uh, five days a week practice, mm. and this has been for several years for her. All sorts of competitions and whatever. And a note with Lily, uh, her and I started something many, I don't know how many years now, eight years, something like that. We make a gingerbread house together Christmas time. So it's just a project for her and I. I wanted something to be able to do with her, just the two of us. So we build a, I build it, she decorates it pretty much. And I've taken pictures every year and we put them together in a folder for her. So he, she has an album right. of all the houses. And that house they take to Christmas Eve with Chevy's family. The second daughter is Laura. She's a uh, speech therapist, has her own business. Uh, married to Joe. He works for uh, Prudential, the investment division. They have a daughter, Violet. She's five years old, kindergarten. And a second daughter, Elowin, 17 months. And another one on the way. I'll be here in May. It's Another actually girl. interesting you say that. I didn't know Joe worked for them, but I may have to get a hold of him because I uh, invest in Prudential. Okay. And I need some advice. So <laughs> maybe yeah. I'll be sending him a message. He's there. Right. And uh, Don and I were married 42 years before she passed. Yeah. So. Uh, we also like to ask everybody, um, how would you describe your parents? And you said you had something from your mom that you also would like to read. So. You can add that in there, too, whenever you'd like. All right. I would say different from many of my siblings. My parents were young. My mom was 24. My dad was 25 when I was born. Mm -hmm. Your dad, Richard, is, he said they were 40. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Right. When he would, so they, his experience is with older parents. Parents. Right. Mine is with younger Mm-hmm. You know, younger yeah. and older, but right. You know, you knew them a lot younger. longer. Yeah, yeah. And they were younger at the time. They were, you know, we were the ones that helped them get to be who they were. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, good or bad, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and in talking about them, describing them, I would say what comes to mind to me is uh, they were two people who sacrificed an awful lot, constantly sacrificing with. The addition of kids along the way and how much you have to sacrifice because now here's another whatever my father worked one job when i was young switched jobs and then took on part-time the first job he had initially so now he's got two jobs and then at some point in time he went for a third job so a lot of sacrifice right. a lot of time, time sacrificed yeah. 
family time, you know, to, to work to support a growing family, you know. Same with my mother, how much she, uh, and at one point, uh, she got a job working at 5 and 10. I don't think anybody's mentioned that. Uh, and uh, that was in the afternoons, if I recall, and then getting dinner ready fell on Kathy at the time and whoever else was available to lend a hand while right. mom was out working because <laughs> right. dad was working as well. And then, then there'd be supper on the table and everybody would show up, you know, but Kathy had some of that responsibility back then. At some point in time, when there were a handful of kids or so, then we started with the, uh, there was a fresh air fund in New York program called the Fresh Air Fund, and kids from New York would get out to the suburbs for, say, two weeks during the summer, and we would take on, they would bring in, you know, right. somebody. So there was a boy named Donnie. He came in. We lived on Lincoln Avenue at the time, and he was about Robert Dennis's age, somewhere around there, so he would stay for like two weeks. So here's another kid added to the group right? You Already know, got for 13. a period of time. Yeah. Right. Well, not, not at that time, but no. yeah, it was still a handful, you know? Right. And Donnie, I think, came back a year or two. I think he was there more than one year. And then at another time, they had a girl come out from New York. And she was around with Joan's age and stayed for a couple of weeks. So they were open to right. helping and sharing family time with, the, with these other kids who didn't have that, you mm -hmm. know, in the city. Mm -hmm. They were very involved in church and school growing up. My father worked at Bingo calling the numbers every Friday night. My mother worked in the back room counting the money. After, you know, they'd, they'd sell the tickets, come back in the room, turn in the money, get the next batch of tickets, go back on the floor. Mom was in there counting money with whoever was back there. Right. And I went around selling soda while that was going on. You know, a bottle of soda, 10 cents at the time. Mm. Driving around between the tables, people, you know, playing bingo and buying soda from. So I had time with them, not directly. I mean, I'm out doing that. Dad's calling numbers, mom's in the back, but at least Friday night. But they were, I think someone had said they were involved in that because of the tuition or lack of it for the kids in the school. They pitched in otherwise, you know, given, right. given time that way. My dad was usher, seven o'clock mass on Sundays and one or two of the kids I guess would go with him at times you know but he was involved there my mother was president of PTA for a while when there were four or five kids in one school at one time my father was in the Knights of Columbus uh, organization of men involved in different things in the church and my mother joined the third order Mount Carmel there was a group of nuns cloistered nuns they didn't go out they stayed and I don't know how she found out about him, but somehow and joined the third order. So she was associated with them, but not in the cloister. You know, she was right. on the outside, but we would go there on occasion. Uh, we walked into this little like a closet and in front of it, picture a uh, drum, like a 55 gallon drum made out of wood. One side of it's open. So if you brought something. They'd spin that drum around. You could put it in a drum mm. and spin it back around to them. So you could talk to them through the drum, but you never saw them. All right. But my mother was involved, got involved in that. She yeah. had a, an office, a book of prayers to say every day. I recall her wearing this big brown scapular, 
you know, the thing was like this big, probably almost about eight or ten inches, it seemed to me. I was a little kid at the time, but, you know, she's wearing this big front and back, all part of that. But anyway, just being involved in church and school, yeah, you know, talking about mom. There was a time when I broke my collarbone. I was about seven years old. We were playing, kids were playing, and my collarbone was broken. And went to the doctor, got a cast on it. But at that time, had to go to the doctor every week to, for Make him sure to check it. Yeah, right. check everything it was all right. And it was just her and I going to the doctors, come back, and we'd stop at uh, Dairy Queen for a vanilla malted milkshake. Mm-hmm. That we would share. It was is just that, the two of us. I think that's your dad's favorite still, right? The malt, the malt on the... Could be. I don't I know. I like that still. <laughs> Could be. I enjoyed it. But yeah. this was a, a time that was just mom and I. Yeah. Which there weren't many with that yeah. many kids around. Where you were just one-on-one. Right, you know, right. It just didn't happen. So every week, while I had the cast on, <laughs> yeah. run into the doctor. We'd stop and have this... You know, so once I take that normal. cast, I feel like, Mom, you know, uh, my shoulder, my collarbone is still not feeling <laughs> <laughs> too great. <laughs> yeah. But as you said earlier, I did bring a letter that uh, Mom had written. February, it's dated February 20th, 1989. So this was about, I guess, 16 years before she passed away. Okay, which yeah. would make. Once you hear the letter, it'll make a little bit of sense knowing what the date was. Okay. All right. But I'll read it. She addressed it to each of the kids. There you go. This letter will be given to all your brothers and sisters, brothers-in-law, sisters-in-law. You know, I went to the eye doctor, and she found a piece of cholesterol in my eye. So then I went to Dr. Scott, who listened to the arteries in my neck, he said they both didn't sound the same. So he sent me to Dr. Woolworth, some kind of specialist. In the meantime, I had asked for prayer and also was prayed for at full gospel. Fran Martin's husband, Harlan, put his hands on my shoulders and prayed for God to heal me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Then I went to Dr. Woolworth. He first listened to the arteries in my neck, then said I should go to the hospital for one day for a test with some risk to it and said that an ultrasound wouldn't be enough. Well, I told him I had no no hospitalization and would try to get a medical card to go with my Social Security. Well, he looked at my paper again and then started to say, well, maybe I should go for an ultrasound or take aspirin. And I told him I already was taking one a day. He said, good. But it ended up with him saying I should go for an ultrasound. I talked it over with Dennis when I came out of this office and he agreed with me, no ultrasound, just stick with the aspirin. Also, I forgot to mention, the doctor heard nothing. That's what he finally told me. When I went back to the eye doctor, she couldn't find that piece of cholesterol. I just said, praise the Lord. She couldn't believe she couldn't find it. Then the next day I went back to to Dr. Scott and told him the whole story like I have just told all of you. 
Well, he thinks I should go home, excuse me, I should go have an ultrasound. He did not listen to my neck. He said, for my peace of mind, I should go. I told him I already had peace of mind, but I would go for his peace of mind. Then he said I should go for my children's peace of mind. So I let him go ahead and make an appointment for me for an ultrasound. Then I found out the cost of it would be about $400. I think that's too much to pay for his peace of mind. But here's my question. Do you think I should go? I believe this idea to ask all of you came from the Lord. So while I will, I will abide by the majority decision, I need to have your answer back by the 3rd of March. The ultrasound appointment is March 7th. So if your answer is no, don't go. I need a few days to get Dr. Scott to cancel. And also see if he still wants me for a patient. <laughs> I really do have peace of mind about the arteries in my neck and believe that the arteries in my chest are the next to be healed and in my legs. Praise the Lord. Healed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Love to all of you. <clears throat> Mom, Peg. So as far as testimonies go or whatever you want to say, I would say this was one of hers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as others have spoken about. Right. You know, right. like your dad did mm -hmm. with his, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> well, that's, that's good. Um, I guess <clears throat> if you could just take us through a little bit of your growing up years and then you you had mentioned that you had lived on Middlesex Ave and some of the younger ones wouldn't have remembered that as much and maybe you had uh, some unique stories that you could share and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then kind of also as you got more and more siblings, what was that like? Uh, how did you see your parents change? You know, just different stuff like that. All right. I don't know if I mentioned here before we started that. My parents were young. Is that on here or is that from before? I don't know. No, I think you did when you started. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my mom was 24. Dad was 25 when I was born. And um, my earliest memories were where we lived on Middlesex Avenue. And Dad worked for uh, Fisher's TV and radio repair. Full-time job. And Fisher had a uh, step van that my dad would use to come home for lunch. And next door to our property was uh, Knox's Tavern. So he could pull a van into their parking lot, and it would be right next to our house and come in for lunch. Right. And there were a couple of us, Kathy, me, with Joan, different ages, but, you know, little kids home. Maybe Kathy was in school, maybe not, I don't remember. And during the meal, he had like a half hour for lunch, whatever it was, and before the meal was over... We would sneak out, we thought, you know, leave the table, go out and hide in the van, you know, and then he would come out, finish his lunch, get in the van, drive around the parking lot, loop around to where he had to get out on, on the road, and suddenly discover that we were hiding in the van, you know, <laughs> and we did that many times, when, <laughs> you know, thinking we're going to surprise him again, you know, mm -hmm. same thing over and over, but. <laughs> You know, just kids having a good time, you know, with that. I remember my grandmother. We, it was my grandmother's house on Middlesex Avenue that we lived in. So she was there with my grandfather, step-grandfather, and uh, however many kids we had. 
she had a ringer washing machine, I recall, you know, in the kitchen doing the laundry and ringing clothes through that, you know. And at one point, they purchased a, uh, my grandparents purchased a new car. I believe it was a Nash back in the 50s, all right? Anyway, I convinced Ruth Joan that we should go play on the car. Uh-oh. <laughs> and that was going to be a uh, like a boat, and we were surrounded, you mm-hmm. know, and sharks or whales or whatever were in the water around us, you know, and mm-hmm. we climbed all over that car. We didn't have sneakers. We had leather shoes, a little bit of dirt sticking to the shoes here, and then here we were across the hood of the car, down the back, across the trunk, you know, sliding, mm-hmm. carrying on, climbing up the front. And the yard had a grape barber across the back. So it was a rather large yard, driveway up the side, and then turned toward the garage, and then there was a grape barber. So the car was half hidden behind that grape barber, so I don't know that it took someone a while to find us, but uh, I don't know if it was my grandmother or my mother or who, but anyway, it was, uh, wait till your father gets home, (laughs) you know? How old do you think you were at that time? Five or six. Okay. Somewhere around there. I think I was seven when we moved out of that house. So somewhere younger than seven. Yeah. And he was not happy. So (laughs) he marched Uh, the two of us and himself out. We had a, there was a garage and there was a building beyond that that we called the woodshed. hmm. You know, which you hear in a lot of stories, but we had one. We had a woodshed. So we went out to the woodshed and, uh, he cut down a little sapling tree, you know, whatever, and cut the branches off it, whatever, nice stick. And he, I got five shots, and only got three. <laughs> she shouldn't have got any. I mean, she's just following you. <laughs> <laughs> she was, but, yeah. yeah Never did it again, huh? No, no, no. And I don't recall what the car looked like when we were done, but, man, uh. brand new car. You know, here's a question yeah. for you. Did you know that you shouldn't have been doing that at the time? I don't recall having that thought, but hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. As a five, six year old, do you know you shouldn't climb on a <laughs> brand new <laughs> car? car. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, collarbone. Up in that house, we lived on a upstairs and. Robert was maybe a little over a year old. He was the baby in the crib, okay? I was whatever, four years old, whatever, difference in age there. And I recall one day playing on the floor with something, little truck or whatever, rolling around on the floor, and he went under the crib. So I crawled under to get it. And the cribs, the side of the crib was on rails, and you could lower it or raise it. Mm-hmm. And under the side was a lever that you hit to lower it well as i crawled under i hit the lever robert was standing against that side of the crib Uh. tumbled out onto the ground Uh. broke his collarbone i was trapped inside underneath (laughs) it (laughs) Uh, and one of the reasons i bring that up is the broken collarbone there were six broken collarbones in our family Mm. Kathy was born with hers broken. 
I was born with mine broken when I was around six or seven, okay. playing in that yard. Yeah, I tripped and fell. One of the kids chasing me tripped and fell. His forehead hit me in the collarbone, broke it. Oh. <laughs> that was the time when my mother and I would go have the milkshakes right. in right. it. All right. Mm-hmm. Kathy was involved in a car accident. John was in the car with her. He was in the back seat, fell down, hit the transmission hump in the back, mm-hmm. broke his collarbone. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was Lisa who was jumping on the bed or doing something in the bedroom and fell off and huh, broke her collarbone. Oh. <laughs> so I don't recall hearing that from anyone yet, but no. uh, yeah, yeah, we had. Be and, interesting. I mean, you have 13 kids. Can't imagine the doctor bills. <laughs> right. But yeah. just the fact that it's that bone and not yeah. you right. know, a leg here and arm there that right. was broken. No, it was all collarbones. Uncle Dennis, did he break it? He broke his ankle? Yeah. Something on his leg from the yeah. toboggan run. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one other thing about Middlesex Avenue, when we worked when we lived there, my father and grandfather decided to sell Christmas trees. We had a large side yard, so they bought trees. You'd, you'd, at that time, you'd buy them in a bundle. Four, five, six trees were tied up into a bundle, and you'd get however many bundles, however, okay. you know, order them up, and then open up the bundles, set out the trees, and set up tall rails or whatever you want to call it so the trees could just lo- line up against them. At the time, I think the most expensive tree we had was $4.75. Not bad. You know, I mean, there were trees for a dollar, or yeah. and all the way up to four seventy-five. But that tree was, you know, that Pristine. was it. But it came bundled in a bunch of others, so I don't know how, you know, yeah. spectacular that tree would have been. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and if the trees that came out of that bundle were horrible, well, you cut them up and you made wreaths out of them, mm. and the wreaths were like a quarter or fifty cents or seventy-five cents, whatever. Anyway, both guys had jobs during the day. And the trees, you know, the yard's open to customers if they want. So they put a cigar box out by the tree, out by, I don't know, one of the big trees that was in the yard. So if you came during the day and no one was there to wait on you, picked out the tree you want, left your money in a cigar box and mm-hmm. went on your way. But that went on for a few years. But we used to, as kids, run around and hide through the right. Christmas trees that were there, you know. Yeah. And that... If we're ever out anywhere in the woods or anything, and you get that pine smell, brings me back Takes to right back there. You know, yeah. yeah, selling Christmas trees brings that memory back. Do you get a real tree now, or Laura, or whoever gets it? Do you get a real tree, or is yeah, it, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, well, I bet it ain't four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> when we started, I can recall being two dollars a foot, huh. going to cut your own down for yeah. two dollars a foot. You know, yeah. getting a six foot tree for twelve bucks. <laughs> All right. You know, hmm. we went with a couple of the families that I worked with. You know, we'd mm-hmm. get together and yeah. take pictures and cut yeah. them down. The other family would sometimes would dig it up, mm. plant it in his yard after mm. Christmas was over. You know, yeah, not now. No, mm. no. yeah, I think but, down here in Troy, the cheapest one they got is an under a hundred bucks. So it's yeah. like, yeah, lately, yeah, ridiculous. Fake trees, um, always a way to go. Yeah, <laughs> don't deal with the needles. Last money. forever. Uh, yeah, mm. or no tree. Like Calvin. <laughs> no tree in the house. No tree, no decorations. I, I had threatened one year not to get a tree. Mm. We lived on Middlesex Avenue, Donna and I, and I guess Melanie. And 
my father said, you know, you got to have a tree. Him and my mother came down. At the time, they were riding motorcycle, hmm. you know, came down. And he went to the store and bought whatever it was to, so we'd have a tree. Hmm. We still have the angel that he bought to put up on top of the tree. Hmm. Why didn't you want one? Just got tired of it? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of work to get a real tree to get in. Put it yeah. in the house and then clean up the needles and water yeah. it. And then you take it out and 90% yeah. of the needles are on the ground. It's just a pain. Yeah. I don't recall at the time what my <clears throat> reasoning was, but, you know, I was just threatening not to have one. <laughs> and somehow word got to him and, you know, well, I can't. Uh, yeah. Wasn't going to stand for that. Huh? That's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. So we've had one ever since and I haven't, haven't worried about that anymore. Yeah. So being one of the oldest children, you know, you said you were the second oldest. Um and not being part of the ones that came up to Troy when your parents moved. Uh, what was it like doing 12 years of Catholic school? And uh, did you ever go to public school at all, or was it always just Catholic? Because of the younger ones. Right. When they came up here, they went to right. public school. Went to right. Troy. Obviously, you yeah. didn't. You right. may have even graduated by that time. I don't know. Yeah. So you yeah. was it 12 years of Catholic school, or did you have any public school? 13 altogether, but yeah. 13. Okay. Kindergarten. Okay. Kindergarten, yeah. half-day kindergarten at St. Francis, and then <clears throat> eight years there, and then four years at St. Joe's High School. <clears throat> so at St. Francis, uh, half a day, boys and girls mixed. After that, first grade separated. Girls in one, boys in the other, and all the way up. And then in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, the nuns taught at the school up to fifth grade on the boys' side. And then we had the brothers teaching. And the brothers that were there, Brothers of the Sacred Heart, it's a teaching order. It's a group of guys, just like the group of nuns, that were teachers. Okay. So I had three, I had brothers for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade at St. Francis. And then went to St. Joe's, and that's run by Brothers of the Sacred Heart. And there were, there were some late teachers, but the brothers were in that. And at the end of my sophomore year, I decided that I thought I would like to live with the brothers and join that organization. That was going to be the next question about right. the brothers. And right. we knew kind of, sort of about that, but we didn't know what that was. So right. if you want right. to include yep. that. Yep. In. Yep. They're a religious order. They're a teaching order. There are other orders that do other things. Some work in hospitals, some whatever. There's other. Right. But the one there at St. Joe's, they were teaching order. And that's the, that's the group I wanted to be with. Having had several of them, that really impressed me. My geometry teacher, sophomore year, he was something else. I really liked that guy. Mm. You know, in seventh grade, had a good... The brother that was there really impressed me as well. And I could see... The way they lived, you know, in a community, seemed to be happy. Great bunch of guys, you know, was inviting, you know, to join. So, the end of my sophomore year, I joined that summer. And then junior year, I stayed at St. Joe's, but I lived in the brother's house on the property at St. Joe's. Hmm. The brothers had their living quarters there as well as the high school. So, I lived at the brother's place and followed their lifestyle. How long were you there for? That was junior and senior year of high school. So you stayed there right. during the school year, or would you ever come home? Or 
not supposed to go home, supposed to stay there, but there were things that happened, you know, right. another kid being born somewhere, you know, or your father or, uh, you know, your right. father, or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. get a chance to, hey, got a new brother, I got to go home, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But in the same town, we lived in Metuchen, St. Joseph's in Metuchen. Every week, I had to write a letter home, you know, tell them what we were up to. But at the end of uh, high school, well, actually, uh, playing basketball after school, sprained my ankle pretty good, end up on crutches, graduate from St. Joe's on crutches. And the brothers had a college down in Mobile, Alabama, Spring Hill College. That's where all of the brothers went for their college education. The brothers had a group of schools in the New York, New Jersey area. That was one group. The New York province, they called it. They had a province in New England, up around Rhode Island, and they had a southern province down in from Texas to Mississippi, I guess, that area. So guys from all three provinces would end up going to college down in Spring Hill College, right. Mobile. Yeah. So we graduated from St. Joe's Friday night, flew down to Alabama on that weekend, either Friday or probably Saturday. Monday morning started college classes mm. for a summer period, like a five-week or six-week, whatever the mm. summer was. So it was, you know, graduate Friday, Monday morning, bam, you're in class again. I think you're done oh. with school for a while. Right? <laughs> <laughs> then after that shortened semester, then we got our vacation for mm. the summer, came back up north, and then mm -hmm. for September, back down to college. Yeah. And with guys coming from three different provinces, there were probably... 40 around 40 guys there a little less a little more something like that all living in this building they called it the scholasticate and some of them had been well seniors juniors sophomores freshmen all college age but the process was we did one year of college and at the end of that year we went for one year of religious training and that was held in belvedere new jersey so we came up, went to Belvedere. You had to be there for a year and a day. So it was August 15th to August 15th the next year. At the end of that year of religious training, then we professed our vows. They would take the vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. We followed the rules of the order. Uh, you didn't get married, and you didn't own anything. Everything right. was owned by the community. So at the end of that year, professed vows, and then what had happened prior to my time there, everybody went back down to Spring Hill College and finished out their college career. Mm. But at the end of that year, because there were so few of us, they decided to leave us in New York. So instead of going back down south, I moved to a high school in, uh, in New York. Shoot, the name of the town, the name of the area. It's escaping me right now. But anyway. Near New York City or... In Queens. Okay. Uh, Francis Lewis Boulevard was the street we were on. And we lived on the third floor of the high school. And the high school was in the shape of a L. The nuns and the girls were on one side, and the brothers and the boys were on the other side of that particular mm. school. But the residences were on the third floor. Mm. So we lived there and then went to St. John's University instead of going back to Spring right. Hill. Right. So I lived there for... 
two years. Went to St. John's for two years. And then the process was to take vows for a year and do that three times. So you'd have vows for a single year for three years. Then after that, you would take vows for a three-year period. So you had six years to live with those vows, live that life. And then at the end of that, you would take vows for life. Mm. So I was at that school in there for two years. So two years of vows. And then I decided it wasn't for me. Mm. So I decided to leave. So what what did you study when you were in school? I wanted to teaching motor. I was going to teach math. Okay. In Spring Hill, you went to the you had a you had a your degree was in education with a major in math and a minor, and you had to have a minor. I picked science, so I would have been able to teach math or science right. from then. Then at St. John's, they didn't have the same setup, so from the school of ed, I would get a degree in math. I'd be a math teacher. But at the end of it, when I left, I, w- I had three years of college now. But what was ahead of me was practice teaching for six months in New York. But I leave. I have no money. Hopefully, I can get a, a spot at home. Right. <laughs> you know, there's a room somewhere I can slip yeah. into. Yeah. But no vehicle, no, right. no nothing, you know. Right. And at home... They aren't saying, hey, come on home, we'll, uh, you know, we got yeah. some money laying around here to throw right. for college, you know, right. so. Yeah. What what made you decide that it wasn't for you? I would say everyone there has their own idea about community and how things should be. Mm-hmm. And in James, when James did the podcast, he had written, he had read a letter about someone who had explained it pretty well, that some people's idea of things were, regimented I'll say and they are comfortable with that mm-hmm. and don't change you know mm-hmm. we do this at this time we do this we do this we do this and that's to them that's community because that's what they have lived their whole life and that's what they want and that's what it means to them so don't change that that's that's mm-hmm. what they're after mm-hmm. and to me it wasn't that right you know the same thing so right. I could see that I was not in agreement with what mm-hmm many of them were at so yeah the next question i guess is kind of you answered a little bit of, about it but can you take us through your young adult years and then it was did you go to college obviously we just heard that and then what at what point did you meet aunt donna and then yeah. how, how did that relationship come to be all right uh got home now i need a job i got no money and i'm, I'm not you know, am I going to be a burden? So they did let you back in. They did. They did. I, I think even got my own room right oh. off the kitchen. Oh, wow. The room that Robert. Uncle Roberts, yeah, that, with the swinging doors. Richard talked. Yes, that <laughs> yeah. room. Yes. Before it became the cool room, it was my room, you know, for a while. And looking around for a job, they were they were hiring at the taxi company in town. And it was it was a uh, a company that would take calls. You couldn't pick anybody up off the street. If anybody was going to use that company, they had to call in and call for a ride. So I went there, had to get fingerprinted to get that job. And so I worked there for, I guess, about six months. And we were considered self-employed. So we paid the owner 60% of every fare, and we got 40% of the fare. And at the time, 
it was 75 cents for the ride if you stayed in the touching. If you got picked up in the touching, you want to go to grocery store in the touching, taxi cable. Like no matter how cents. many miles it is or whatever. Well, within the touching, the touching wasn't all that big. So if you mm-hmm. stayed in the touching, if you went beyond it, then it was the, right. the woman who took the calls had the price list and would right. quote them. But 40% of that was mine, 60% was a boss. Hmm. And if you stayed in the touching, you were senior citizen, you got a 60, you got a 60 cent ride instead of 75 cents. So you ain't making too much. <laughs> For six months, I did that job, including tips. I made two thirteen an hour. Boy. <laughs> now, a previous job, when I went to St. Joe's, the tuition was $300 a year, which the family didn't have when I went freshman year. But my father went and met with uh, the principal, talked to him, and they hired some of the students to clean classrooms after school. So I got into that. So my freshman and sophomore year, I cleaned classrooms two hours a day. So it was 10 hours a week. We were paid 80 cents an hour. So at the end of the week, for 10 hours, you got eight bucks. Okay. (laughs) If we worked on a holiday, they paid us a dollar an hour. Generous. So in those days, we'd go Uh. in and we would scrub the floors with those big scrubber that... uh, Richard was talking no, about, I, your father was talking about, right? So at the time, though, I mean, you're making a buck an hour, $2 an hour, whatever. Did it feel like, man, this is nothing? Or did it feel like, yeah, you know, I have money? The cab stand, full-time was 72 hours a week. Six in the morning, six at night, six days a week. Hmm. Okay, so 72 okay. hours, 213 an hour, so I'm 150 bucks. Not bad. Yeah, it's not <laughs> terrible. Living at home. No overhead. Yeah. All right. I didn't own a car. I walked to work. Huh. They didn't yeah. let you take a taxi home? <laughs> Park it overnight? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. None of that. It wasn't allowed. No. Huh. So at the end of that, toward the end of that, uh, I had worked from the summer to December. And Ruth Joan and Fred were in Texas. They had Kim and Freddie already. Fred was in the Army, stationed at... Fort Hood in Texas. That was going to be the first year Ruth Joan would be away from the family for Christmas. So Robert and I decided we'd drive down there. I, I guess I had saved enough money driving a cab to purchase a car from Kathy and Steve. Datsun 240Z. Sports car almost. Yeah. Two passenger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I bought that car. Taught Robert how to drive the stick in the driveway, mm. which is shorter than this driveway out here. <laughs> Can't even get out of first gear. Uh, we get up to third by oh, the end wow. and then slam on the brakes, you know. But anyway, <laughs> he learned how to work the clutch and the yeah. thing in that driveway. And we drove to Texas huh. to see Ruth Joan and Fred. So at least some family would be with them for Christmas time. Mm. On the way there, Robert's wondering about how fast this car would go oh boy <laughs> we were in arkansas i think at the time and he got up to 107 and i said you know the last thing we want is two guys from jersey getting caught in arkansas you know to throw us in jail and throw away the key and <laughs> you know this is back in 70s early right. 70s but we made it no other incidents and I was going to say, you can't pick any hitchhikers with a two-seater. Two no, no. 
Otherwise, yeah. Uncle Robert would be picking yeah. somebody up. <laughs> right. Uh, so I had quit the job at the cab stand to take that trip. So came back and then needed a job. So I uh, started working at the uh, hardware store. My touching hardware it was called. I worked there for a couple of years. And when I worked at the cab stand, there was a, a place in town, luncheonette. Robert had worked there at one point in time. Donna had gotten a job there also. I don't know if I met her when I was driving a cab or if I was working at the hardware. But when I was at the hardware, I'd go in there for lunch. And she was waitressing there. But that's where I met her at that time. And worked at the hardware for about two years. After that, got a job at Revlon. Went to work there, loading trucks. That's the way I started Christmas time. They were hiring like crazy, so I went there, loaded, started loading trucks. September was Christmas season there, get the stuff, product in the stores. Right. Worked until probably December, got laid off, but got called back and when they were rehiring and then worked there from 73 to 87. I think you were talking to me years. about that yeah. when we were down at Brett's. You okay. said you were working like crazy hours. Yeah, second shift. Yeah. And all kinds of hours, whatever hours you could work. Go yeah. home for an hour, two or three, and then come back and start over again. Huh. When the overtime was available. Right. You know. Right. And while I was there, I worked my way up. Started out loading trucks and then uh, got picked as a temporary supervisor. Was in the union, but would kind of be the lead man for part of it, you know. And then they hired me full time as a supervisor. And then became manager of the shipping department. We had two shifts running, three different buildings. At Christmas time, I had a staff of, there were 99 people working in shipping. Hmm. Then moved into transportation, was responsible for the freight from the time it left Revlon till it got to the customer. So dealing with the trucking companies. Hmm. And at that time, Revlon would send me around to different areas, you know, go go down to Miami and see what the guys down there are doing with our freight, or Jacksonville, Florida, or Memphis, or Chicago, hmm. Cleveland, Columbus, Detroit. So travel around them. The Edison facility where I worked serviced the eastern part of the U.S., up to the Mississippi, and then there was a place in Phoenix that did the western side of the country. Mm-hmm. So I was visiting all of the trucking companies east of the Mississippi that we dealt with. Mm-hmm. And then promoted to assistant director transportation. And then at some point, and freight out, all of the shipments going out. And I had a counterpart who was assistant director in charge of the stuff coming in. So then they would switch jobs with us so we'd have you know, more information and be able to be promoted, whatever, know right. more about the operation. So I ended up on a freight in for a short period of time, but come to find out that some of the invoices I would be signing off on weren't legit. Mm. Somebody was having a cabin built, a hunting cabin built somewhere, and we were paying for it by renting trailers that weren't there, something to that effect. Mm. So, and one who was responsible for all of that, his name wasn't on any of it. <laughs> 
So as soon as I see that, I said, well, you know, I'm out of here. I'm not putting <laughs> my name on anything that's not legit. So I left yeah. there, huh. went to work with Dennis, landscaping right from there. Hmm. We did that for four, five, six years, something like that. Then he decided he wanted to have the foster home. So he said, you know, no more landscaping for me. I'm going to, you know, start up a foster home. Yeah. So I, I ran it maybe another year on my own. And then my nephew, one of Donna's nephews, worked at Bally's. And he was a supervisor. Said they needed somebody there to be a mechanic and a repair guy for the equipment for what they would do was one guy, one building. If something broke, you were it. Yeah. So fix the air conditioning on the roof, fix the heater for the pool, whatever it took, the sauna, whatever. Hmm. Neon lights around the place, you know. Handyman. Carpeting. Yeah, but learn all these different things. Mm -hmm. So at home, after working there for a while, I was like, yeah, something wrong with the furnace? Yeah, let me add it, you know. Yeah. Because we had learned all of that. And at Bally's, prior to that, they had specialists. There was a plumber. He took care of whatever, air conditioning, plumbing. They had an electrician take care of that. They had a mechanic to do the fitness, whatever. And if you had a problem, you could call that guy and have him come help you learn about what you were doing. You know, mm -hmm. so eventually, you know, working there for a while, you learned all of that. Yeah. You know, you didn't depend on those other guys. You could take care of it. Hmm. So it was it was a very good learning experience for yeah. You know, dealing with a house and everything else. Right, right. So, you know, in high school, you, you obviously were saying you want to be part of the brothers or whatever and did that for mm -hmm. a couple of years after high school. Um, after you got out of that, was there something else that you wanted to do or you, were you just like, I'll take whatever job I can get and just go from there? Or was there something specific that you thought you would want to do as a job or go back to school or just, no, just whatever? No, but not having the money to do any of that and not also not knowing anything about college loans or any right. of that because that wasn't part of it you know with the brothers right. it was all taken care of <clears throat> right right so there wasn't any knowledge about that or yeah other than you know i need money because i'm not gonna pay board and i gotta you know, right. and get yeah. a car and all right. that. just find a job and see where it goes yeah yeah, mm. yeah. for a while after the uh after i left bally's went to work for a uh Hazardous Waste Company, picking up hazardous waste. Did that for a while. There were all kinds of promises about making a good buck there, but that mm. didn't work out. It was, you need just to be more a salesman than a service guy. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not a good salesman. Yeah. I'm a service guy. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't succeed too well there, you know, and I was, I wasn't happy there either. So I went back to Bally's after that for a few more years and then, after that, got a job with a pool company that was servicing some of Bally's stuff, sold us the chlorine and did whatever. So I went to work for him, repairing fitness equipment. He had a division that did fitness. Mm -hmm. The prior guy had passed away, so they were kind of neglecting that division. So he hired me to take it over and grow it back the way it was. So I worked for him for about 11 years doing fitness stuff. We did the whole state. Hmm. New Jersey, anybody that would call, some people in New York as well. He serviced pools in New York and New Jersey. And any of his customers were a good customer doing the pool work. If they had fitness, 
like a YMCA or something like that, say, hey, we can do that too. You know, mm-hmm. you wanted right. to be the the one guy you call to do whatever your right. handle whatever your problem was. Yeah. Right. You know, so right. eleven years there, and then uh, I guess Obamacare came along, and uh, if you had fifty employees or more, the company would have to pay. Well, I think it was like three grand per employee toward insurance. Mm. Yeah. And the company was at 51 employees. So without the fitness division, mm. they would be at 48. There were like two or three of us. So I said, okay, well, I'm not going to do fitness anymore. So mm. you're out. Out of a job. So at that time, Thanks, before, <laughs> before that day occurred, the last day, there was a company out of... Uh, Maryland, that was looking for a tech in New Jersey. They had a tech, and uh, I think he got sick or hurt or something, but so I needed a replacement for him. So a guy came up from Maryland. I interviewed with him and started working for them. So I handled all of New Jersey for them, and that's where I retired from. What what, were, what year was that when you started working for them? When I started, I worked for them four or five years. I retired in 2018. So 2013-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, I was going to ask you about Aunt Donna, but I think somebody in the Facebook questions. Yeah, Megan and Vendola both asked about. Um, So I guess um, during that time when you were working with Uncle Dennis doing lawn care, Mm -hmm. how many years was that? Do you know around? Five or six. Okay. Do you have a funny or interesting story you could share from that? Maybe something with a customer? (laughs) I I don't know. You gotta have something. Uh, cut the tip of my thumb off, trimming a hedge. Oh boy, mm. hedge trimmer. You know, I don't know if that's funny, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up on a ladder, trimming a large mm. hedge, and one of those power trimmers ripping along, and knocked the ladder over. And oh boy, <laughs> as it's coming down, one hand is on the accelerator let's mm. say and the other one is just holding it and the thumb got in the way and mm. took the tip of the thumb off it grew back though you know so <laughs> what did uncle dennis say to you about it mm. yeah bandage it up you'll be fine there we go yeah yeah put a band on it get back to work <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. a million other lawns to do yeah well, the time he was cutting grass on a hill and we were using four foot mowers and pull the mower back to move it to another direction and slide on the grass and get his foot underneath the deck of the mower and mm. miss the blade, but, mm. you know, a little bit of panic there. <laughs> you know? Uh, a couple of hazards of the job, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, what, are you into, what are you into now? Some hobbies that you're into now that you're retired? Babysitting, for one. Yeah. Living in the house with five-year-old and a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, live-in babysitter. So as Laura's business increases, it, you know, and her schedule is, uh, it's never the same from day to day. Hmm. Okay. So one day, maybe she's got clients in the afternoon. The next day, maybe the morning. So right. I'm available to, right. you know, watch the little one in between. And so, you, do you like doing that? I enjoy it, yeah. Favorite you know? job? Uh, Who said that? They said... Uh, and Jean, maybe? I don't Being know. Being a grandparent. Oh, yeah. I think it was her yeah, favorite job she's had. Maybe that's more of a girl thing. 
it's it is very enjoyable yeah i'll tell you that yeah yep uh i have a garden fenced in garden area at home it's about i don't know 15 by 40 something like that so do that every year get that going you know summertime what What do do you you grow yeah what do you grow a couple things that joan was looking for you know arugula and a couple other things that i normally wouldn't have right grown but tomatoes and squash and string beans and whatever mm. beets uncle, uncle dennis always had a problem with was it uh chipmunks or birds or something so he put squirrels the, oh squirrels so he put the nets over and the birds yeah. do you have an yeah. issue with no i've got a six foot fence around we thought we'd have deer issue mm. but we don't because mm. it's it's narrow enough and I understand if the deer, deer sees a second fence, they don't hmm. jump it because the neighbors are maybe too close, you know, they end up in the next one. So hmm. it's narrow enough. So we haven't had any. And it's hmm. a, it, the fence is like a one by three opening, maybe. So hmm. none of the critters, groundhogs, or any of those are in there either. So, hmm. and there's nothing in there that the squirrels want. I don't hmm. think. Gotcha. You know. Olivia asked, or she wanted to ask, wanted us to ask all of the siblings, uh, good or bad, what is your most vivid memory about Aunt Amy? I don't know if I volunteered or if I was asked, but I was the photographer for their wedding and load the film in the camera, you know, so taking pictures going along and ceremony's over. Now we're into the reception. And I go to roll up the roll of film, get to the end of it, go to roll it. And it never caught. So the entire roll did not move. And I don't have the last 36 pictures that I thought I took. Mm. The ceremony, walking down the aisle, missing. Mm. So go over to Amy and Bill and say, listen, I screwed up. <laughs> I need you two to come back into the church mm. and do some of the things we did you mm-hmm. did for the ceremony so i can at least get pictures so you have mm-hmm. right something to show for it you know man that was not well, a good memory a little but, embarrassing uh, you know yeah <laughs> yeah you know and saint joe's had a dark room photography whatever and i had been involved in that you know not that this is helping my case any here but you know i i like photography you should have known something <laughs> exactly exactly and i judge him Man, I just blew it. Next time you get asked, no, thank you. <laughs> I think I'm good. Yeah. So we did We did pose a couple of the pictures. I think at one point in the ceremony, they had the candles, and they lit a third candle. So we reenacted that. So they had a picture yeah. of that. And mm-hmm. I think it was Gary Zuber was the – I don't know if he was still there at the time when I discovered mm-hmm. the problem or if he had split for something. I don't remember the that part. The pastor's no longer up there with him. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what's in that album either, and I, I you know. Uh, well, so. it's unique that way. <laughs> All right. Yeah. right. Sorry How? to the kids. They don't have good photos of the, you know, the yeah. parents' wedding. Well, they're going to be on with us next, so yeah. we'll have Great. to ask them about that. Good timing. How old were you when she was born? He's got his cheat sheet He's got the cheat sheet. 21. 21. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, everybody... Everybody who's younger who's been on, they've said, you know, I wasn't very nice to her. We always beat up on her, whatever. But you obviously would be, you'd be older, so. I was in the Brothers at Belvedere yeah. when she was born. August 15th was when that would start. 
Mm. We started a week earlier with a retreat for a week. Mm. And then the 15th was the official start day of novitiate, mm. August 15th. So we were, have you ever seen the uh, cards, holy cards we call them, but they're cards you would get at a funeral service, tell you about the person who passed or mm. things like that. Well, we had them made up for ourselves when we got into the brothers. Mm. So we would bet holy cards on what day she was going to be born. Mm. <laughs> so we had, I think we had done that for your father as well and your father, mm. both of you, because I was in the brothers from September or, or August of 65. Your father was born in November of that year. Mm. So we had the opportunity to bet on that one. Mm. And then your father after that. Mm. What are what are they used for the cards? Usually a bookmark. Oh, so just it. just for fun or a reminder. You know, I yeah. mean, if you went to someone's funeral, they usually right one of the things they might hand out. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll jump into the Facebook questions. There's quite a few of them. Um, start with Megan. Megan Vendel asked kind of a similar question. What were your favorite things about Aunt Donna, and which of those traits? were passed on to your daughters and granddaughters? Uh, that's Megan's question, but, and then Bendel also asked, share some good memories of Aunt Donna. Well, she was very, Donna was very good with young kids. When the girls were, the daughters were very young. She was very good with them. She was good with, uh, she watched Lily babysat for her for many years, full time. You know, and, and she was she was really good with the little kids and, and both Melanie and Laura share that, you know. Uh, we got them involved when they were young, twirling, dance, that sort of thing, softball. Donna was the biggest cheerleader for them playing softball, either one of them, you know, one after the other. We were involved in rec league 17 years in a row, first Melanie. And then Melanie's last year was Laura's first year. So we had, and Donna was in the stands always, you know. You could hear her over everybody else, you know, cheering for, for her daughter. Uh, she enjoyed music, dance. Uh, she was always dancing. When you set up an email account, her name was Dancing Donna. You know, and the password was dance. <laughs> You know, but she was always, always into and and Lily's, Lily's into dance. Violet, Halloween, you play some music in there. Moving, yeah, they're, mm -hmm. they're moving. They got their grandmother's genes mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Because of the way Donna was raised, her life before me, anyway, she wouldn't take any crap from anybody, mm -hmm. and her daughters are the same. <laughs> You know, her and, her, her and one of her sisters would look out for the other sister. You know, anybody look cross-eyed at that one, man. They're, you know, hmm. get, get the lights put out. <laughs> <laughs> Picture of Mama Bear taking care of her cubs. Yeah. That's Donna. <laughs> that was Donna. Megan also asked, what is your favorite thing? about your life now in retirement? Hmm. Granddaughters take up a big piece of it. Hmm. Yeah. At least 
my, not necessarily my actions, you know, but my en enjoyment from life, hmm. you know, comes with that. But I've had a lot of different hobbies over the years, you know, the gardening, fly fishing. The Saints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, became a Saints fan back in 67. Hmm. Stuck with them. When I went down to loyalty in New Orleans <laughs> I saw a special on the other night about the Mannings mm. Archie 12 years with the Saints never had a winning season mm. 12 years but anyway I stuck <laughs> with them even when they were the Yanks you know yeah. bags <laughs> over the head yeah. we went down to see them for my 60th birthday the, uh -huh. the girls sprung for that and mm -hmm. bought tickets to the game and we went to that they were 13-0 and 0 that year Till we showed up, oh. and they they lost oh. to Dallas in that game. <laughs> the game we saw, but well, you got that the loss to the Rams with that controversial defensive mm -hmm. pass interference. You got wasn't the uh, Minnesota game against them with uh, yep. Keenum Minnesota Miracle uh, or whatever it is. Yep, yep, yeah. Joe doesn't let me forget that. <laughs> That's one. a lot of pain. <laughs> I mean, the year they won yeah. the Super Bowl there against uh, the Colts. That was the same year that we went down. Oh, really? Okay, two thousand nine. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I remember watching that game and knowing that you're a Saints fan. I right. guess, I mean, I was 10, but mm -hmm. I'm not thinking, you know, I should be rooting for the Saints because of Uncle Timmy. I just thought, well, I like Peyton Manning, so I'm rooting for the Colts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, there you go. But they, they ended yeah. up winning, so. And I do remember, I don't know if that Facebook was around or whatever, but seeing pictures of, you know, just like, all right, Uncle Timmy's got to win here after rooting for him for yeah. so long. But yeah. Along with... Uh, your points about Donna, one thing Sky had mentioned at the uh, memorial service, that my mother was at Dennis's house where she passed away, and Sky was there at that time, and went outside, was upset, and the first person he saw at that point was Donna, who was comforting him at that, and you know, that was one of his memories yeah. of Donna. You know and how she was. Yeah, yeah. Every time she, you guys would come up or we'd go down or whatever. You know, she's always so happy to see you and just energetic yeah, and right. wants to give you a hug. I remember one time we went down there, and I, I don't know what we were going down there for, but you were putting beds together, and we we're all down there. Me and my mom and sisters. I don't think my dad had been there, but whatever. And she had an air mattress for me, <laughs> and. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I didn't know anything. Whatever. I'm sleeping. Wake up in the in the morning. Thing is totally flat. <laughs> so every time I saw her after that, I gave her, you know, gave her uh, a hard time about it. But I knew, you know, she knew I was kidding. So her her main quality, I think, was being very outgoing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and being very open with people. We had her brother stayed with us for a while. Moved in with us. Uh, one of Lori's friends moved in with us for a while. Uh, another woman we knew had a foster home when Dennis had his. And one of the girls there at the foster home was kicked out for whatever reason. But Donna was like, yeah, let's, you know, let's give her a place to stay for now. So yeah. she did, moved in with us. So mm -hmm. very outgoing, but very accepting of, yeah. open to people. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, make friends with anybody, but very, very open. And the, the girls have that as well. Yeah. You know, also we'll, we'll put in a plug here for uh, 
any of you guys traveling, we provide service to the airports. Mm. If you're booked, <laughs> Mark and Malou are in the Philippines right now. Yeah. Yep. Took them to JFK Airport on February 5th. They come back on the 24th. We're picking them up. His car's in our driveway. Tuesday, Vendela's going to uh, yeah. New Mexico. New Mexico. So we're providing trans to JFK for her and Piper. Yeah. And they come back on a Tuesday after that. So we're, you know, Dan going to Ireland, come by. Hey, you know, stay a night instead of a hotel, you mm-hmm. know, book your place at the uh, Fulvin house. Is this a uh-huh. free? For, free? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. You, you pay the tolls. Right. <laughs> which are, can be substantial uh, get to the airport, depending on which airport you pick. Yeah. We're also recommending you look into Trenton. Uh, Frontier Airlines flies out of Trenton. Mm. Better than JFK? L- less trap. Oh, yeah. Smaller. No tolls. Cheaper, though? For Could be. tickets? I don't know. You'd have to see. But then you add the tolls, two bridges. You know, one of them's 19, the other's 20-something. So you're... Mm. Ridiculous. You know? Yeah, that's... It, it adds up. There and back. So right. it's 80 bucks. Right, right. And that could probably take it. See if, you know. Park on the other side. Pick me thing. up. <laughs> <laughs> so, that. so here's a question. If you're taking a cab over or something, who pays that? Do you pay it in your... Like, if you wanted to take a cab to JFK, would you pay for the tolls? Probably got easy stickers or yes, whatever, you right? Yeah, you pay. Or you do pay for that. Yeah, you pay. Mm-hmm. Easy pass is much cheaper than paying... Yeah, they don't take cash anymore. They just take right. a picture, take your license plate, yeah. and mail you a bill, and that's what Mark's right. doing. Right. right, with his, yeah. uh, I take them in his car, so the bills go to him. Right, not taking them in your own car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have easy pass, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Vendel asks, "Do you ever wish you would have moved to Pennsylvania, or are you thankful you got to raise your family semi close to where you grew up?" I think in the beginning, you know, the whole family's gone. You feel like, hey, you know, it'd be be nice to be around the family some more, you know? Yeah. So way back then, there was a house on, I think it's Prospect Street, at some point in time visiting, you know, saw this house. Wow, if that house is ever for sale, man, I, you know, I could consider living there. You know? Yeah. But it did go on the market now and then, but no, we never, hmm. never did, you know. Would you, you consider know? moving up now? Uh, probably not. You know, the grandkids and whatever else, right? Grandkids, there's yeah. Joan, yeah. You know, she's a shore girl, lives down ashore, yeah, her whole life, yeah. Lucky, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't move now, it's yep. too late. Mm-hmm. What's a uh, what's a fond memory of you, um, that you have of your dad, just you and him? Vendel also asked this question, just the two of us. Uh, there were a few things I put down there. Uh, Living on Middlesex Avenue, he bought a uh, station wagon. May have been new, 55, 56, 57, something in that range there. That was a beautiful car. And I can remember with him washing the car underneath the apple tree in the backyard, you know, or cleaning it, little kid, you know, helping out, whatever. When he worked at Fisher's full time, part of his job people needed it was to put up an antenna on their house back when TVs required an antenna, Mm -hmm. you know? And I can remember going with him on some of those jobs and five years old, six years old, whatever. I'm standing at the bottom of the ladder, keeping the ladder steady, you know, 
like I'm actually doing something, but I think I am anyway. He's up there, you know, at the chimney putting the antenna on, but mm-hmm. you know, just like that. Uh, he went at one point to see about getting a job as a policeman, Natachin. <laughs> I went with him, but I was, he was 34, so I would have been nine. Stayed in the car while he went into the police building, building you know, to mm-hmm. see about it, which were, at that time was a normal thing. Leave the kid in the car out mm-hmm. on the street, you know, no big deal. Lock the doors, but yeah, you're in there by yourself, you know. And then, but he came out and they told me he was too old, so. Hmm. You know, Is that really know. true? Yeah. Be. Yeah. He looked into that. I mean, they would hire a police officer now. Well, they might, yeah shorthanded or whatever's going on but at that time he was like mm. he was too old mm. to come in uh worked with him you know on the christmas trees or making a wreath when i was a little kid same thing there you know if we ended up going with him for uh seven o'clock mass where he was the usher go with him on the way back we'd stop at the bakery pick up some salt sticks they called them or crumb buns. His favorite seemed to be the crumb buns. You know, just to see him happy to be able to get a couple of, pick up a couple of things he liked. I had a paper route at some point in time for a uh, paper out of Newark, New Jersey. And the Sunday paper, I had 97 Sunday papers. Hmm. And it was the thickest paper in New Jersey. You know, he'd be like that thick. 97 of them were, were stacks. So he would drive the station wagon, and probably Robert and probably Dennis would join us, and we'd ride on the tailgate of the station wagon, and he'd drive us all mm-hmm. over the area where the paper route was. Mm-hmm. I used to have a paper route <laughs> on Sundays. Yeah. Sunday morning. I think I had like 60 papers, something like that. Mm. You actually had to take, they gave you the insert and then a the paper, and you'd have to undo them, put the insert in the paper, right. and then stick it in the mailbox. And I remember the first time we did it, me and my one friend went, and we had, you know, they gave you four stacks, two of the paper, two of the inserts, and we didn't know that you were supposed to stick them in. So we did the whole thing. It took us like two hours. We just delivered the inserts, and the lady's <laughs> calling me. She's like, these people are saying they didn't get their paper. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I gave it to them. And then I looked out. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I only gave them the inserts. So I got to go back and give them all the papers. That was a long morning. (laughs) We would get the the comics delivered on Wednesday. Yeah. And then probably Friday, there'd be another piece, whatever, magazine section. And then Saturday night would be the final. Hmm. So there'd be three pieces you had to get together. Yeah. And that helped make it, you know, two two inches thick or whatever the heck it was. But it was... (laughs) There was no way I would, could do that on the bike. Mm, During the right. week, I had the regular evening paper to do, and I had, I don't remember, but it was probably 30, 40 papers, but it would fit in a bag, and I could wrap around the handlebar. Mm. and Off you went. Yeah, yeah. on the bike. Uh, my mom asks, do you have any funny or silly stories about your mom and or dad? Your dad, from what I hear, seems to have been very serious or shy. It would be nice to hear another side. And she has two more questions, but... I'll let you go with that one first. When we camped up in Stokes, vacations were initially, when I was little, we would go down the shore, stay at one of my aunt's houses. She had an apartment over her garage, and we'd stay. I mean, I'm, I'm talking little, two, three years old, whatever. And then 
got to be camping, would go with my grandfather up to, uh, he belonged to a rod and gun club, fishing and hunting club. So we would go up there, he'd take me fishing. Then after that was camping with my father's sister, Ann Ann. She had a trailer, pop-up trailer, we'd go with her. I would go, because she had two sons and they were older than me, but I would go with them. Then she would sell the trailer to my father, and then we started doing that as a family, going camping. And after a while, camping went away, and I was in the brothers or back or school or not part of it. Then they started going back down to shore again for vacations. And there was a, uh, I don't know the circumstances, but my father came down for a day. I guess he didn't have the vacation time, but the rest of the family did, so they were at the shore, and I was down there maybe a weekend. I don't remember my circumstances, but it ended up, I had to get back home, and he did too, and at the time, he owned a uh, Triumph TR6 convertible, little red sports car, and he drove home, and we raced some other driver. (laughs) Back and forth, back and forth. That guy would pass us. We're riding up the parkway going home, you know. And nobody else on the road, it seemed like, except the two of us, you know. And then he'd hit it and pass that guy. And that guy would catch up to us and back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, good times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get a ticket, didn't get caught. We were. All right. He said if the spark plugs had been new, he could have done a little better, I think, than mm. uh, the last time that guy passed us. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what she's saying though. Like nobody's nobody's really said stories like that about your dad. It's all been serious stuff and working three mm. jobs and so yeah, that's well, that's amazing to hear. There's another one. Middlesex Avenue. Okay. We were we lived upstairs, my grandmother and father downstairs. Anyway, I'm a little kid. I have a game called Cootie. The Bugs. It was a dice game. You roll a dice and whatever number came up referred to a body part on the bug, and the object was to build the bug. Mm-hmm. So you had legs, you had a body, you had a head, you had an antenna and a mouth, whatever, six mm-hmm. uh, six groupings of parts. So he was on the throne one day, and I end up in there with him with the cootie game, and we played cootie while he's sitting on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why that memory sticks. I mean, I'm five, six years old, but I, you yeah. know. Huh. I still got that one. He was he was patient. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you let me do my business? Get out of here. <laughs> uh. That's back when I'm saying my young parents, you know, my parents right, yeah. were young. Right. You know? 30, 31. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He was a uh, he was born in Brooklyn. So he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. Mm. And uh, when they moved to LA, he was not happy, mm. you know. But he was in my day, he was never a football fan, you know, so there was no, nothing, you know, no teams were rooting for anything like that. Nobody paid attention to it, you know, till I went down south and all the guys down there, here's a new team coming along, you know, New Orleans, and that's how I got involved in mm-hmm. football down there. And as you've heard from the others, it wasn't until, I guess, Rich and John were playing football that he had, and he had the time to really you know, get into it and get involved in it. Yeah, I think they said he didn't really ever jump in and, like, play with them or whatever, but he'd kick. 
Yeah, you right. Know, he and a George Blander name right. came along, you know, the yeah. nickname for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after he worked at Fisher's for a while, then he got a job at Muller Machinery making cement mixers, machinist. We had an uncle who worked there, Uncle Arthur. I don't know. He was my grandfather's brother. That's where he fits in. My, my mother's father's brother. Anyway, while he was working there, they would bet on some of the baseball games. Or they, there was a pool going. Ten cents. Hmm. Everybody bet ten cents. And it was a pool that the first team to score 19 runs, you won. if your team, mm -hmm. when they scored 19, you won the pot, whatever mm. it was. So he was involved in a little bit of betting on baseball. A little gambling. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ten cents. <laughs> Each day, you, 10 cents a day you put in. So, oh, a day. You know, 50 cents a week here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Not, it probably wasn't a bad pot if you want it. Yeah, because it took quite a while for right. a team to run up 19 grams, right. yeah. you know? It's like getting out a little $3 of overtime in your pitch. <laughs> yeah. Pick the right team. Yep. Um, and Sam also asks, how did you meet Joan? Interesting question that that would come up. Huh? <laughs> uh, I was looking at a uh, website, dating website, uh, called Our Time. Looked at it a little bit for free, but then if you wanted to ask a question or anything, you had to pay for it. So I did. That was two years ago, I guess. Got on, and they're sending you different women, you know, based on what you say about yourself or what you're looking for, whatever. They try and mm -hmm. match up, whatever. So she was on there. Saw her, said, okay, hey, you want to, you know, feel like a conversation or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, we did, and then finally we ended up uh, deciding to go meet, went to a diner down near her, where she lived, she down the shore, and uh, met her at the diner. First thing she said to me was, wow, you look just like your picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You know? So we had coffee and, you know, sat there chit-chatting or whatever, and asking her about that later she was like eh, you know i don't know i don't know this guy you know i don't know <laughs> i left there i went across the highway and there's a barnes and noble store okay walk in the front door and they have a display where they're featuring a book you know they're looking to sell this whatever so here's right. a here's a stand with just this book on it and the title of the book is Joan is okay. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> so I take a that? picture. I take a picture of that book, you know, send her that picture. Here you go. <laughs> Joan uh, is okay. So we went and uh, continued talking, whatever, met a second time, and then, you know, and on and on from there. But it was a dating site. Yeah. yeah. Did she look like her picture? Yes. It's always I, good. He says, I wish. <laughs> uh -oh. I don't know. She did. She did. She did. Uh, and it's, it's been two years now. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And how far away was she from you? Like Travel-wise? Yeah. Yeah. It's 30-something uh, miles. So it's, it's depending on traffic, could be 45 minutes mm. between us. I didn't know if like, if you, I mean, I 
I've never been on a dating website. Do they give you all across the country or is it just like local? You can pick or you okay. give them parameters to say we can X them out. I you know, you. I mean, I there were there was a woman in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, rather. There was one in North Jersey that, you know, they say, hey, whatever. You might talk to them or, right. you know, exchange messages right. or whatever. Also, probably depends on where you live. You live here in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> right. Right. You have three options. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for nearby yeah uh, right, right. Uh, my mom also asks how well do you play the guitar seems like a random question i know you guys met for lunch yesterday and <laughs> yeah yeah well, <laughs> talking about some stuff when we were young we were given opportunities to take lessons we took art lessons kathy did i did i think with joan did there was a woman in metuchen who gave them in her basement she had a basement set up and we, we would do charcoal drawings or pastel drawings or oil paintings. Worked your way up to deal with oil paint or whatever it was you liked that you right. wanted to do. This woman taught it all. So we were given that opportunity. Ruth Joan had uh, piano lessons at some point. I had guitar lessons at some point. So practiced some there, but the... The instructor was the worst, you know. He doing six other things here, sit here and play these notes, and he's off doing whatever, you know. There's nobody looking to see if you're doing it. Right. Am I any good at this or what? You know, what should I be doing? So that was that was horrible. I told my mother, "Stop wasting the money." With you know, this guy's <laughs> no good. So then, when I was in the brothers, had the opportunity to play. So I did, and then played at mass, you know, a few times. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, I was, wasn't too bad. Right now, I'm probably not so hot, you know? Could you play but it, though, if you had a guitar? Can you play a little bit? Maybe. Okay. I strum a few chords, maybe. Yeah. That's about what I remember, yeah. you know? You know Go I didn't, inside and get one. We can find out. <laughs> left-handed. Oh, left-handed. Oh, wow. Never mind. Okay. A little different. Strings are backwards, you right. know? Yeah. Paul McCartney, left-handed. Huh. You know? Uh, are you right, you're right-handed every, like for everything else. Some things, throwing, right-handed, writing, left-handed. Huh. So any strength move was right-handed. But, you know, we played ball. Everybody, you know, throw right-handed. That's what I learned, to, you know, borrow somebody's glove right-handed. Hmm. You know, there weren't many lefties around, so hmm. I ended up doing those things. Tennis, if I want a strong serve, I'd use my right. If I want an accurate, I'd use my left. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't much... But I did play, you know, no, high school. Gonna, that was one of the things we had at the at the brothers available. Yeah, we're tennis courts and we could play. Mm-hmm. I still have a wooden racket mm-hmm. inside the wooden bracket that keeps it square. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Me and Dad would go sometimes, and we had a wooden racket, okay. and I wasn't very good. And he likes to bring it up occasionally, you know, that he beat me with that. <laughs> I mean, and the head on those things where it's, you know, really mm-hmm. small. And then today mm-hmm. you can get the oversized and whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, mm. I was going to yeah. say Selden's right-handed, but then you kick. Kick left-footed, kick yeah. Left, uh, yeah. Left foot, which is. One of the other things I learned to the brothers was cutting hair. Because mm-hmm. the brothers cut their own, you right. know, and mm-hmm. then somebody would learn, you know, along the way. And so I, I would cut hair. Can you still do that? Yeah. You may not like the way it looks when I'm done, but yeah, I can. Anybody well, can cut yeah, hair. Anybody can cut hair, right? <laughs> That's right. Give you a beezer, we call them, or uh, you know, one of those. Uh, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, Aunt Jean asks, I mean, you've already kind of yeah. given, I don't know if you have any more, but uh, she's never really heard stories um, when you were younger and you had one-on-one time with your dad. So if you have any of those stories, you'd like to hear them. But I, I mean, you already did cover. Yeah, you covered a couple a few of those. If you have any left there. If not, you know, that's fine. We, Like you said, you already, you already gave more. a couple. Well, but. I was also in the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts. I don't know that a lot in the family were, but in the Boy Scouts, my dad got involved a little bit. So there was some, not necessarily one-on-one, but it was no one else in the family except me right. and mm-hmm. him right. and, and all these other guys. But, right. You know, and he was, I forget his title. They, they picked him to be the religious leader. I don't know what it was, something that he had, mm-hmm. you know. But we were uh, we were in Metuchen Center, which was a sporting goods, art supply whatever store, model airplanes, that kind of stuff they would sell. And we were there, may have been with the Boy Scouts or not, but he was with me. And we were there to buy something. I forget the reason why, but all of the guys there, most of the Scouts were buying a compass or a, but I saw this knife, like a Swiss Army knife, Mm. which I think was like 10 bucks. Everything else from there was, you know, two, three dollars. And he kept trying to steer me over, you know, to that counter. And I was like, man, you know, this night. So he bought it for me. Mm-hmm. You still have it? No. No. <clears throat> Don't know. Long time ago. Could have been borrowed by one of my other brothers, you know. Where, uh, you That's know. probably what happened, you know. Like, <laughs> they lost it. Or I lost it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but that was uh, that. One other item I don't know that I've heard but maybe somebody brushed on it when we were camping we would shoot off rockets or whatever and we had some visitors while we were camping some other families came up to hang out for the day and took one of the cars and put four adults and 15 kids into this vehicle it only had two seats Mm. it was a a sedan you know Mm old Chrysler, whatever, 55 or 6, I don't know, but it was two seats, 19 mm-hmm. kids. We all, the car drove to Kittle Field, it was called, the wide open field where you could shoot off the rockets. And mm. people in the parking lot saw, you know, this mob of people get out of this one little car. Like, what the heck? <laughs> but, and that, well, the other thing was after his passing was to be able to, you know, honor him in some way or whatever and put out right. the book mm-hmm. you know which i hope you guys did get your copies of and yeah at some point in time you can reread it now and then you know just to see mm-hmm. i know that my dad my dad got a copy i don't i didn't get a copy did you get a copy i think so i don't okay. know where they are maybe he maybe he has them okay i i have looked through it before and read it my intention was when i made it to give each of my brothers and sisters, one copy for them and their spouse. Right. So that the two of them would have one copy. And then an additional copy for each child. Mm-hmm. Each of my parents' grandchildren mm-hmm. would have a copy about their grandfather. Right. And at the time I did it, I had enough, like 70-something copies made and got that done. Mm. If anybody needs a copy, I may still have a couple left. So I'm saying, I don't know if I ever 
I know Lisa said she lost him in the fire, hmm. but I don't know if I ever came through and gave her copies again. So you're listening, Lisa. You know, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or anyone else who in that group, uh, great can grandkids. I don't have. You know, that's a, that's a pretty big crowd, and I didn't. You know, right. it, I mean, it could be recreated. Those. It would just take right. time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, I. This was a work of love. You know. Yeah. Chasing everybody for their letters. Your dad mm-hmm. said, "You know, uh, was it last week?" Yeah, my dad mentioned he was. He took a while to get you his page, and <laughs> you kept asking him, him about you got, it. You got well, your page yet? Or? He may not know, but everybody took a while. Yeah. So yeah. I sent out a letter to everybody and said, "Listen, this is my idea. I'd like you to write something about Dad, some yeah. experience you had with him, or something." Yeah memory of him whatever just write something down about him well that's also a hard thing to I mean you're trying to it's a one-time deal and you're writing something right you know what do you write yeah and yeah. it was like a year later i sent out the second letter i said and i started it off with hmm where'd i put that first letter you know and then <laughs> said hey let's go it's you know i'm still on this kick here so yeah you know get your contributions in and they did how long know? did it take Start to finish, do you think, mm, to put that book together? I don't know. Four or five years, I oh, think, wow. or so. Yeah, it was a while. Mm. You know, And I wasn't doing it every day or whatever. You right. know, put it aside, a letter came in here, there, whatever. And, and and Aunt Ruthie and Uncle Bill, my mother's sister and her husband, they contributed. You know, uh, Spouses contributed. Whoever was married at the time, I asked them. Steve contributed, Kathy's husband. Yeah. Donna contributed. You it's know. been a while since I read that. I'll have to read right. that again. Same with me, you know. When I did it, and and I read everybody's letter, I typed everybody's letter. I had it set up, you know. Had Renee draw me pictures for whatever the story was about. Here, here's a list of things. Draw me something that relates to that that somehow that thing, you know. And then I mm-hmm. fit those in, right. laying the pages out so it makes sense. Each in my head, each person's contribution was like its own chapter you know yeah. so do them separately you know and then we went i went to staples and had them print, print it all up you yeah. know 75 copies or whatever it was at the time and then we put these two cover pages together you know the two of them mom and dad together on the back and just dad on the front yes yeah. you know but it, it's not it's not something he and I did together, you know, a, right. a memory like Gene is asking about, you know, but it was something in my head. He, he was there with me. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Right. But, um, Will asks, was Aunt Donna an acquaintance or friend of my dad before you guys got married? Okay. Will's dad, Will Sr., he came to school, St. Francis. He joined us in the eighth grade wearing big, thick glasses. <laughs> a tough time to kind of get into eighth grade, you know? Clicks are already formed and everything, and here you are trying to squeeze in. But anyway, I became friends with him in eighth grade. Then he went to public school, I went to St. Joe's, so we kind of went our separate ways. Then when I drove a cab, there was another guy driving a cab named Paul, and he and I became friends. Well, Paul was a friend of Will's father. So I reconnected a bit with Will Sr. And 
Donna was working at Costa's. I was driving a cab, then I was in the hardware, but still we were, you know, friends were connecting around Costa Cottage. So I think it, that's when we all became a friend of Donna's was through that group and the Costa Cottage time, hmm. not, you know, not prior to that. He also asks, do you keep up with college softball? Any favorite coaches, teams, or players? I would say I don't keep up with anyone in particular, but I will watch it if I'm flipping channels and there's a game on, I'll watch it. If yeah. Dan is out umpiring somewhere and I know, right. I'll watch that game and see how he does. Right. But I don't I don't have a favorite team that I follow yeah. or whatever, but I will watch any of them. You know, I enjoy the sport, mm -hmm. so who's ever playing? Let me see what they're doing, you know? Yeah. We like did... We did back when the Olympics years ago, when they had a team going around, they would they would travel to play teams if you could put one together mm -hmm. of players. And I recall going to Staten Island, watching the Olympic team play against the best group they could put, you know, find around the area, you know, and mm. beat them severely. But you know, <laughs> oh, the, the Olympic team beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Back when uh, Lisa Fernandez was pitching. If you look it up, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you guys don't know her, but no, she she was something else, and she would practice, start at the mound, and work her way back to center field. Yeah, and could pitch. Yeah, from mm. from anywhere, you know. She wow. was she was awesome. <laughs> anyway, years ago. Yeah, yeah, but not not a specific team, but yeah, anytime I find it, I'll watch. Somebody, I think I saw something online one time that was like. During the Olympics, they should have one just average person in there just to show how good these people actually are. <laughs> just throw one average person in there to run the 400. Event. Yeah. yeah, each event just to show you how good these people actually are, mm -hmm. you know, because they're racing against other people and doing other stuff against other people who are just as good. So the poor average guy who's got to get <laughs> beat in everything that uh, he does. Right? I think it'd be cool to see, though, just yeah. to see how much better these people are than, you know. Yeah. At everything. Yeah. What's well, cool to see is to take a softball pitcher, put her up against a baseball hitter. Yeah. And because of the shorter distance. Right. And the speed of the ball. You know, that it's coming the, in just as quick. The direction coming yeah, from. Yeah, coming from where yeah. it's coming from. And, and watch, you know, the baseball players usually don't do too well. Right. Yeah. Even you know? slow pitch, you know, when like softball mm -hmm. players, when they go to slow pitch, sometimes they have trouble hitting. We, mm -hmm. we play slow pitch over in Ralston. And we played with one girl who was who played college softball, and she had trouble hitting the slow pitch ones because it's so much different than right. just normal. Right. Yep. The ball's coming yep. from six feet in the air, right. dropping down, right? Instead of yeah. you know however fast right at you, but yeah. And yeah. with softball, back when I was coaching and coaching Laura, there were clinics given by the coaches of the Olympic team, as well as some college coaches, but. Yeah. You know, and would go to those. You know, and there was a uh, hitting coach from Tennessee, uh, Ralph Weekly. Hmm. Anytime he was talking, I was there because hmm. I was really interested in the hitting end of it. Yeah. You know, and go to a clinic and you know write all this down and come home and say, "Hey, Laura, you know, from what they told me, you don't do anything right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're going to rebuild you from the ground up. Hmm. So out in the backyard, you know, with. Uh, bucket of balls and a, and a net, you know, and all that. And from the prior year to the year after, batting average went up 100 points. Mm -hmm. 
you know, with the changes we made based on what they said. But I didn't know right. prior to that, you know. But here with the Olympic coaches, I'm like, man, these guys know what they're doing. You know, yeah. this is the guy I want to listen to and yeah. learn about it. So learned, you know, quite a bit from them. That was a that was a neat experience. Yeah, yeah. Me and my dad were just at a coaching clinic for football down at Penn State. He was talking about it yesterday at the restaurant. Yeah, and yeah. there's, I mean. They had however many different sessions on Friday, and you could pick four different rooms. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's just neat to see the stuff that you may have never even thought of. You mm -hmm. know, you, you right. think you know something about football, and then you go to this, and it's like, I didn't I didn't know any of this stuff. So right, right. yeah, it's always yeah. always neat to listen to whatever other people yeah. have to say. And somebody's hitting, and what are you doing with your left foot? What are you doing with your right foot? Right, you know, and right, the ball of your foot versus the heel of your foot. What's going on? Yeah. Like, I'm hitting the ball, you know. What do you, yeah, what do you right. worry about my foot for? You Just know? so but, much stuff yeah. you don't even think of. Yep. I think was it you that gave me all those baseball videos of hitting? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I sucked at hitting when I played <laughs> in seventh, eighth grade, whatever it was. I was terrible, and I remember yeah. getting those, and I was like. I don't know if I ever watched them because I was like, man, I'm just so terrible at baseball, and I never played in high school, so I was yeah. like, <laughs> I yeah. forget it, I'm terrible at this. So when Laura was doing it, I had an old tool tamping tool if you were tamping down blacktop mm -hmm. there was the base of it was broken a little bit but it still stood upright yeah cut the cut it off put a rubber sleeve on it set a ball up on top of it mm. and that was our batting tee yeah i could adjust the height if yeah. i wanted to you know get her to do that and then bought a golf net uh -huh. that would stop a golf ball set yeah. that up All right had a bucket of balls and they used to tease me about it at the at a softball game before her game when she, we would go somewhere to play. I'd be walking around the foul territory, for balls. collecting all the softballs <laughs> that were left in the woods or whatever, you know. And yeah. I had I had buckets of them at home, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're good or not, they're just for batting There's practice, just a right? hit, yeah, whatever, practice. you know. So I could sit there with, a, okay, put it on, bam, put it on. Okay, well, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that. Okay, watching yeah. what she's doing and. You know, every day a couple, couple of buckets. She got to. She was a good hitter. Yeah. yeah. Is that all the Facebook questions? I think that's it. Do you got anything else you wanna, you wanna say? Check over the notes. It's a lot to. I mean, it's however many years of life crammed into two hours. You know. Seventy-four. Seventy-four. That's. Vendela had that question, comment. She didn't even know how old I am. <laughs> she said, uh -huh. on Facebook, I think it was. 74, Vendela. Huh. She asked, was my father in the military while when I was around? And the answer is no. He got out in 45. Kathy was born in 47. I was born in 49. Hmm. So he was out of the service working when we came along, when he hmm. started the family. Ah, a painting story. Painting story. Here we go. Uh, Lincoln Avenue. This is back... Uh, sometime after 57, but before 63. All right, we lived in a house that was a uh, clapboard. The bottom half and the top half, I think, were shingled. So we didn't mess with that, but just the bottom half, buff mm -hmm. color. Front porch was painted white. The rest of the house was buff. Kathy and I were doing the painting, I recall. She used to, I'd be on the ladder, she'd be painting the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> you know, like you guys probably have done. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Only anyway, <laughs> the front of the house was a white porch. Mm. You know, windows, maybe the top half of wood, the rest of the way around. And my father was cleaning off the old paint 
And the way it was done, he had a kerosene torch. It was a like a, a square tea kettle of sorts with a handle on it hmm. and a spout for the flame, and the thing was full of kerosene. You lit it up, and you heated the paint, and mm-hmm. then had a putty knife-type scraper yeah. and scrape that stuff off while it was soft. Mm-hmm. And the entire front porch do that way without setting mm-hmm. the porch on fire or right. singeing the hair on your arm as you go up in front right. of the flame, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But back the way it was done. <laughs> yeah, we, we did that on one job. The one right up here, we did this big Victorian green, yellow, maroon, whatever. And we just power wash. And whatever comes off, comes off. You know, you scrape after. But some stuff's still on there. So it'll be like flat. And then there'll be a part of paint. And it'll stick out. And you'll be able to see it. So it was on their porch too. And they were like, we want it all smooth. So we took a heat gun and did the same thing. Heated it up. Scraped it off the whole porch. And so the whole thing was just smooth wood. But right. it's almost yeah. easier to just say, look, you remove <laughs> all the wood. Put it all new wood up. Yeah. I don't remember doing much of it, but... A small oh. section that I did was no fun. Yeah. But you know, I would say the porch was probably three of the walls of this yeah. place we're sitting in right now. That much to cover with the man, tedious. Tedious. Yeah. Oh thank you. You know, but he did it. You know. Yeah. And that was probably not very safe either. Kerosene and <laughs> Right. Keep you know, refilling it as you need, but yeah. And you're you're putting it on wood. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Go uh, right. torch the side of that wooden house there and only get uh, the paint off. You know, yeah. Now it's a burnsomatic or whatever, right? The yeah. stuff under pressure. But this was... And to get it to work, you had to pump. Mm. You had to pump mm. air into it to put pressure on it so the kerosene would come out. Yeah. Probably made five cents an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Anything else you can think of that you want to say before we close it you know you'll go home and you'll be like oh shoot i should have said that should have said this one thing about uh growing up in a family with you know more and more siblings being added in one thing you don't i would say you're you're living it and there's six brothers and sisters then number seven comes along well there were six now there's seven how much of a change is that Mm. Yeah. You know, out of seven, along comes eight. Oh, well, how much of a change is that? Yeah. You know, and, right. and on and on and on. So it's not like, wow. You, you know? didn't go from you know, four a, to ten. Right, 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 right. Right. There was only one added at a time. Yeah. You know, but there was always diapers, and baby wipes, bottles. And, else. and diapers were cloth diapers hmm. back then. Held on with two big safety pins. <laughs> And a pair of rubber pants that went on over it, which was like a plastic shower cap that fit <laughs> over top. And we had, in the bathroom, there was a diaper pail, had bleach in it, and that's where the dirty diapers went. And then there was a silver pail, and that's where the the other clothes went, mm. besides the diaper, baby clothes, uh, rubber pants, whatever, they all mm-hmm. went in there, and they were washed separately. But that was the process. The bottles were all glass, heat them up in a, pan of water usually on a stove you know no microwaves so it was done and that that activity was constant (laughs) pretty much you know when did that start i don't know if we ever got it Uh, for the next month we don't have to do that you know or whatever baby food in the jars 
glass jars, you know, Gerber baby food. Yeah, we'd go to the grocery store with mom. Maybe hey, pick up twenty, you know, give me five of each of these things, you know, and they come mm -hmm. home twenty, twenty-five jars of, and for the week. You know, yeah, right. That sort of thing. Yeah, you know? people think you know thirteen kids is a lot, but you know how often, if ever, was there all thirteen in the same house? Right. You know, right. probably probably never, <laughs> right. just because of the age difference and whatever else. So. Right. 21 yeah. years start to finish and right. Kathy's out getting married or whatever and right. Amy's coming along and right. I was in the brothers and mm -hmm. you know yeah it's not like 13 kids ages uh, 5 to 15 all in the house at one time but nah. yeah and to survive everybody had jobs you know I mean we right. took the trash out and that was a daily thing mm -hmm. kitchen <laughs> trash you know I mean it was it, yeah every day generated a full bag of that right. you know get that out and yeah Doing dishes, setting the table. It wasn't just you know three plates. Right. It was, right. you know, a whole table full of stuff. One of the other comments you had was about you know growing up with all these other kids. And one thing, one memory that comes to mind is you go out to the kitchen to make yourself a snack or something, and there's three more people behind you looking for a share of that. Mm. You know, so you were never just going to the kitchen to get a snack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, making a Pot oatmeal was was a pot of oatmeal. It wasn't you know hmm. one serving. You know, back when there wasn't the quick stuff. Yeah, right. You know, taking the time doing it, but also you know snacks or whatever you whatever you're going to have. Yeah, what'd you have for snacks besides oatmeal? <laughs> well, I was, I was breakfast, but uh, <laughs> snacks. I don't even remember. Pretzels. Salted. I mean, whatever you got, it's probably going quick. Popcorn. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jiffy Pop back when it was in a frying pan type yeah. container. Yeah. You know, pop that stuff or uh, cheese and crackers. My mother was mm. big on cheese and crackers. Mm. We would, that was another thing I guess I shared with her was, uh, you know, we'd be watching TV up in, their bedroom was huge. Mm. TV was up in their bedroom, mm. set up with a chair and there was a, window seat where four or five kids could sit and watch TV as well as mm. the edge of the bed. And at night, watching it, she feels like a snack. How about some crackers and cheese? Yeah, I go downstairs, cut up some cheese and bring, play the crackers and cheese up and enjoy that with her. Mm. Three and pounds of cheese? There could, have been, there could have been more kids sitting up there besides me, but you know, that's one thing when it comes to snacking that I remember with her. That yeah, I enjoyed with her. You know, yeah. the other kids may have as well, but you and you know. still like the cheese and crackers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And Laura has inherited that. Mm -hmm. She's the queen of cheese. Yeah. So you live with the right person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but my cardiologist is not as happy as <laughs> some others may be. You know, huh. that's all right. Well, is that it? Yeah. Anything else, or? I mean, we might have to have you back on. We're we're trying to figure out what we're gonna do after we get through all the siblings. Maybe have them on with their spouses again or what? But I'm and sure then, there'll uh, be more like time for you to share cousins or yeah, you know, all of the siblings' children. So yeah, be all of our cousins. We don't know what we're gonna do. Yeah, how many do we have left? Three, two or three, two, three, four, five, four, no, four. I don't know. Who's next? Oh, yeah, we, we got, got Allison, and then we got Aunt Joanne, and then Uncle Mark, Uncle, Uncle Mark, Dennis, Dennis. Sandoni. So that's four, five? Yeah. I don't know. No. We'll see. 
I mean, we asked we asked everybody else who they want to have on. You know, we already got it lined up. But you right. got anybody you want to you want to hear from specifically? Everybody, everybody, you know? yeah. From listening to them already, you know that I wasn't in a group moving to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of Pennsylvania history that I don't know because mm-hmm. I didn't experience it. Right. And we haven't talked about it over the years or not. You yeah. know, you know, I did get up here with the hunters. I don't think we mention that in tonight's thing but my parents started opening up the house to rent to to a hunter's hunting season mm-hmm. right after thanksgiving mm-hmm. for a little bit of income at that time and i think the first year they did it there were like 15 hunters and everybody who was living in the house had to move out to make room for the hunters but right. after my dad passed away then my mother was doing it on her own, and I volunteered to come up and help cook because hmm. I enjoy that piece of it. Hmm. So I would cook with her. There's another, at times, one-on-one with her, you know. She was to, older. Right. I was older, she was older at yeah. that time, you know. And did that for many years with her. And the hunters became a group of guys from Delaware, same guys year after year. They liked it enjoyed our company, enjoyed the food, so they were coming back year after year. And there was one guy who was a ringleader, Larry Sign is his name, and his best friend Albie, the two of them, hunters, hunted forever, and then relatives, one way or another, of Larry's, would come along. The stepson, or this guy, that guy, nephew, whatever. So there were four, five, or six in that range every year for a while. Different faces sometimes, but all the same happy group, you know, coming up. And yeah. I enjoyed, you know, we'd, we'd make a chicken dinner one night. We'd have a beef dinner one night. And I'd buy a two big eye round. So we'd have roast beef dinner one night, and the leftovers, I brought a slicer from Dennis and slice it up and make sandwiches. So they had roast beef sandwiches, you know. It mm. wasn't just a peanut butter and jelly thing, you know. We, right. we gave them good food. And then that, I enjoy making pies, so we'd have homemade pie for dessert. Uh, different people would contribute who were living up here. Somebody would be making bacon bread. Could have been your mom. Could have been somebody on your side. Making bread, okay, here you go. For dinner, you know, homemade bread mm-hmm. and all that. And Hunters then, were eating good. Yeah, they were. They got their money's worth. Uh-huh. And then Gene took it over at some point after my mother gave it up. And I would come up and help Gene. Mm. And that was... When they lived in the Heights, they had a house on in the Heights. Familiar with that? No. Yeah. Your dad was there for a while, too. He had a house there. I feel like I remember them living in the Heights. Yeah. I couldn't tell you which one it was. I don't know. I don't remember much. <laughs> okay. But in Gene's house, the hunters had the basement, and everybody else, was, hmm. family-wise, was upstairs, you know. And, hmm. and that process was we'd get up at 3 in the morning. These guys wanted to be in the woods before the sun was up, mm-hmm. breakfast already had and lunch in hand and in the woods before light. So we were up to make the lunches the night before, but yeah. get up, make the breakfast. They'd leave. we go back to bed, mm-hmm. maybe get up at 10, do the dishes, and then start preparing for dinner mm-hmm. for when they come back, you know. Right. And mm-hmm. that, that was the process of, of doing it, whether it was my mother or my sister, but we were... You know, we're doing. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Right after Thanksgiving, coming up for that. 
All right. Well, thanks again for coming up and agreeing to be on, making the long trip up here. Said it was, what, six hours took you? Four. What? Well, he said, well, he was talking inside, said six with the stops and whatever else. Ah. It's a four-hour trip right. that became six hours. We stopped for lunch to one place and then a sheets for gas and... It always and, takes and we longer. Stayed, we're staying in Mansfield, so that added to the trip. Well, it's, sometimes so, it's nice to just take your time and get up here as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to take me four hours. Let's see if we can beat that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was younger, that was a thought. Yeah. yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. All right. Take your time. Not anymore. All um, right. Well. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate it. Hey, yep. Thank you, guys. I enjoy yeah. it. I've enjoyed it so far. Listen yeah. to each one of them. And, yeah. Yeah. Well. Having a good time. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we hope you join us again next time. <laughs>